Well, we just finished a series called Believe. And you know, just want to remind you, the Christian life is a life of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. We have to live out our faith. We have to live out what we believe. In Hebrews chapter 11, it lists out many of what we call the heroes of faith. Many of those great men and women of the Old Testament that God moved and worked in and through their lives in a mighty way. And then we come to chapter 12. And you see, in the light of all of those heroes of faith, it tells us this in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Therefore... We also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those heroes of faith, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the cross. He paid the price. He gave His all. And He is worthy of our all. We sang it this morning. You are so worthy. He deserves our very best. He deserves a love that is beyond just a casual love, but something that is on fire, a fiery kind of love. I mean, He deserves that we love Him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. He deserves our absolute commitment and devotion. And yet, sometimes we find ourselves living a little less, giving less than our best. How is it that so many believers end up just kind of living a mediocre life with a nice socially acceptable level of commitment? I tell you, the world will think you're crazy if you are truly, totally committed to Jesus. But not just the world, even the religious world thinks you've just gone too far when you truly serve the Lord with all your heart. Jesus says things like, Matthew 16, 25, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Lose your life for His sake? That is a total commitment. You see, as long as we're just kind of hanging on to our life, living life the way that we want to and doing our thing, we don't really experience the life that God has for us. And Jesus says if we lose our life, He's, he's not talking about that you lose your physical life. It might But that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about that we're willing to lay down our life. And when we do that, when we have that kind of commitment to the Lord, that's when we find real life. How is it then that when we've given Him our lives, that sometimes we just end up living our lives? What happens to that commitment that we made to God to give Him our very best. I mean, instead of going all out in running our race, we read it there in Hebrews 12, 1 1 and 2, that we're supposed to run the race that's marked out for us. and We endure, eyes fixed on Jesus. How is it that instead 
of running that race to fulfill the plan and the purpose, the will of God in our life, that sometimes we end up offering God less than our best. I mean, we make a commitment to pray, to come to worship, to be involved in ministry, to obey the Lord in everything. What happens to those commitments? You know what? I believe the vast majority of people are sincere when they make commitments to God. I, I feel that way because, first of all, I've, I've seen the tears. I've seen the sincerity in their face and heard it in their voice. But I also know that for my own self, I was sincere when I made this commitment or that commitment. And yet sometimes we fail to keep those commitments. Why is that? What is going on there? What happens to those commitments? Why is it that sometimes we fail to follow through? There's a commitment thief called excuses. In the NIV, Hebrews 12, 1 says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That race marked out for you is the call, the purpose of God for your life. And I want to tell you, every person in here, God has a purpose for your life. There are things that He wants you to do. And that is your race that is marked out for you. And as we're running our race, eyes fixed on Jesus, there are things that will hinder us. One of those things is our excuses. And our excuses also have a whole lot to do with those besetting sins. A lot of the time, the reason that people don't get free from besetting sins is because of excuses. Excuses. They keep us from running our race. They keep us from really getting free in our life. They keep us from keeping our commitments to God. You know, we all know we're not... You know, right now, we're not talking about us because if we're talking about us, it's not excuses, it's reasons. Right? I mean, we're talking about other people, it's an excuse, but when we're talking about ourselves, it's a reason. And I just want, I'm just wanting to clarify here to you that, you see, sometimes when we think we have a reason why we went back on a commitment, why we didn't do what we knew we were supposed to do, or we did something we knew we weren't supposed to, and we have a reason... Oh, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to search our heart and see if we're really just making an excuse. We live in a generation of excuse makers. I think that this is one way that our generation is the best that ever lived. We are the best excuse makers that ever lived. That's not really something to brag about, is it? But it's something that's been going on a really long time. It started in the garden with Adam and Eve. I mean, Eve makes her excuse that the serpent deceived me. I don't know how she got there, but that was her excuse. And I mean, how many husbands, don't raise your hand, would like to blame their problems on, or their mistakes on their wife? Some of you do. 
But, uh, you know, in a sense, it's almost like the like, uh, Adam was blaming the Lord because he says, the woman that you gave to me. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing how people ever since have been making excuses for not doing what they were supposed to do. They just make excuses for everything. I mean, when people cheat on their taxes, they, they always reason it somehow in their minds. You know, they, well, I pay more than my fair share. You know, taxes are too high. When people steal from their employers. You know, well, they don't pay me what I should be paid. They don't compensate me for those extra hours that I work. Listen, why don't we pray more? Well, you know, I'm just so busy. And I, I don't know what to say. We got excuses. We always got excuses. Why don't we read our Bibles more? Well, you know, I don't really understand it. I've heard that one a lot over the years. I want to tell you, you never will understand it if you don't start reading it. That's right. But it's like a lot of other things. The more that you read it, the more that you learn, and the more you understand. I've been serving the Lord for some 45 years now, and I'm still learning. Well, I would read my Bible, but you know, I fall asleep when I read the Bible. I knew one minister that he'd get tired while he was reading the Bible, and so he'd stand on the edge of his tub and read the Bible. See, you can always find an excuse, and you can always find a way if you want to. Now, don't go home and, you know, fall off the tub, and I don't want a call from the hospital I'm just saying, though, that's what works for him. But here's the point. We can find a way or we can just find an excuse. You see, we all make commitments and we all know what we should do. But a lot of the time, an excuse gets in the way. All kinds of excuses. Why don't people go to church faithfully? That's the only day I can sleep in. I don't want to go down there with the hypocrites. My parents made me go as a kid, so I don't want to go now. Heard about one church had a no-excuse Sunday. You ever heard of no-excuse Sunday? To make it possible for everybody to attend church next Sunday, we're going to have special no-excuse Sunday. Cots will be placed in the church foyer for those who say it's their only day to sleep in. Eye drops will be available for those who stayed up half the night on Saturday night watching the TV or surfing the internet. Blankets will be furnished for those that say it's too cold and fans will be provided for those that think it's too hot. Doctors and nurses will be available for those that plan on being sick next Sunday. The sanctuary will be decorated with poinsettias and Easter lilies so that those who have only seen it that way will feel comfortable. Clothes will be distributed and fashion consultants will be on hand for those that can't find anything to wear. Mm -hmm. It will take a Sunday off from tithing because, you know, some people don't come because churches are just after their money. And then there's that big one, you know. Those that are concerned about being with the hypocrites will have a special section for the holier than thou. So you don't have to be with the hypocrites. Oh, and one last one. We'll use our big screen so that you won't have to miss the beginning of the game. Mm, nervous laughter there, some of you. Excuses. 
Teenagers have their excuses for why they don't obey their parents. My friends don't have to do that. Or my friends get to. Mm-hmm. My parents, they're just not spiritual enough. It happens sometimes when a teenager really turns their life over to the Lord and their parents are living like the devil. They're like, I'm not going to obey them. I'm not going to listen to them. And then the opposite is true. Some teenagers say, my parents are too spiritual. By the way, there's no such thing. But I'm just telling you, people have an excuse for everything. People have an excuse for why they use drugs and alcohol to try to relax. Some people say, oh, well, you would understand if you had my job. Somebody else says, well, you drink too if you were married to my spouse. Mm-hmm. There's always an excuse. You know, it's why we have a bad temper. So many people, they have this excuse for why they have a bad temper. Well, you know, people push my buttons. Blame it, you know, it's other people's fault that I got a bad temper. It's my heritage, you know. It's, my, it's just my Irish descent or my Native American descent or my German descent. And by the way, I think I got all three of those, so watch out. You know what I'm saying? But here's, here's the real deal, you see. It is because we are all part of Adam's race. It's amazing how we can make excuses about anything and everything. It is just part of the philosophy of our day. It goes right along with that whole concept of relative morality that says, well, it depends on the situation. You know, I mean, if, if the circumstances are this way, well, and that becomes our excuse. Benjamin Franklin said, he that is good for making excuses is seldom good for anything else. And if we find ourselves making excuses, we never really serve God with a whole heart. The commitment just won't be there. There's two big problems with this whole concept and idea of making excuses. The first is, is that When we've done wrong, we can never be forgiven by making an excuse. There's only one way to be forgiven. It is by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Word of God tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You you won't find in here where it says, you know, if you have a good excuse or to hit home just a little harder, if you've got a good reason... There's no place in the Bible where we can ever justify our sin and God will give us a free pass because we had a good reason. The only way you can be forgiven is to admit you did wrong. Confess it to God. As long as we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear our prayer. That's what the Bible says. Oh, we have to admit it to God. The second reason that it just doesn't work, this whole excuse-making thing, is when we make excuses, we don't change. We don't grow. We don't overcome. It's somebody else's fault that I'm this way. It's somebody else's fault that I did this. I couldn't help it in this situation. There's nothing I can do about it. And we condemn ourselves to a pattern 
pattern of habitual sin, those besetting sins. You see, we can't allow those excuses to keep us from doing what's right and keep us from keeping our commitments to God. That religion of excuses, it just robs us of our commitment to God. And I think sometimes us church people, we're almost worse than the world because about making excuses because we know what's right. We know what we're supposed to do. And we make excuses when we don't. But those excuses, they keep us from being effective. They keep us from being fruitful for the the Lord. They keep us from running the race that He has marked out for us. What a difference our lives can make if we just stop making excuses. You know, people that really make a difference in this world are men and women of God who are truly committed. They got character instead of excuses. You see, if we're going to run this race, he says you got to run it with endurance. you got to run with perseverance. You don't let anything turn you aside. No situation, no circumstance, no people. No, we run with endurance. We can't make an excuse. And you see, when we stop making excuses, we develop character. We don't, we don't change with the wind. No, we just keep going. But I want to challenge you today to live your life in such a way that you don't have to make an excuse. And I want to say this clearly. We all make mistakes. If you're not sure about that, well, your family can tell you. We all make mistakes. But we don't have to make excuses. And it helps us to overcome and to move on. I can tell you that making excuses, it just comes naturally. I mean, from the time we're little kids, we learn to make excuses. And I know I was a master excuse maker when it came to my homework. I had a thousand different reasons for why I didn't have my homework. And I never said, well, it's because I'm lazy and just forgot or, you know, any of those actual true reasons. So I just made excuses. But we all do it about areas of our life unless we make it intentional efforts. Say, you know what? I'm not going to make excuses anymore. How do we keep our commitments? We got to get rid of the excuses. There's four categories of excuses I want to talk about just to help us identify that in our own lives. The first is blame. And you know, we've already kind of referred to this, but Eve blamed the devil. She said, the devil made me do it. And Adam blamed Eve and kind of blamed God, saying, the woman that you gave me, she gave me and I did eat. I mean, I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe he was thinking, you know what? She fixed it. I better eat it, right? A well-trained man. But that was his excuse. He, he blamed her. And you see this pattern, not not only in our lives, but you see it all through the Scripture. You know, King Saul said, the crowd made me do it. The Lord told King Saul exactly what he wanted him to do in 1 Samuel 15, 3. He said to him, now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant, nursing, child, oxen, sheep, camel, and donkey. Now here's what Saul did instead beginning in verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good. 
all that was good. They kept everything that was worth keeping and were unwilling to utterly destroy them, but everything despised and worthless, they utterly destroyed. Then Samuel, the prophet, he comes to Saul, and Saul says to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. How deceived was this guy that he thought that his half-hearted, halfway obedience was fulfilling the command of the Lord. But I can assure you that there are believers who do this every day where there are things that they know they're supposed to do, things they know they're not supposed to do, things that God has called them to do, and they just kind of halfway, sort of, kind of maybe. And they're disobeying the Lord. The Bible tells us in James 1.22, listen, be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You see, when people don't obey the Word of the Lord, they have deceived themselves. Verse 17, so Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul says to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, King of Amalek, I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the people took the plunder, the sheep, the oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, the sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. The people. He's blaming the people. Now, if you've read the Scripture and you know much about King Saul, you know that he was a strong king. And if he's blaming the people, it is nothing but a blatant excuse So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, He also has rejected you from being king. I'm sure that he was sure his reasons were good enough. But they weren't. And the Lord didn't listen to Saul's rationalizations. And he doesn't accept ours either. We can't blame others. And we can't blame our circumstances. You see, when we stand before the Lord, it's just us and Him. Blame means that our obedience to God is dependent upon what others do. And I want to tell you, blame never resolves. It only complicates. There's so many troubled marriages that could be healed and restored if they just put aside the blame. And so much of life works this way. If we just put aside the blame, if we put aside our excuses, we can move on. I mean, it's not just a spouse. You know, people blame their boss, their parents, 
their teacher, sometimes the pastor. Y'all were too quiet on that. I was hoping for a little more help. But The second area of excuses is I can't. I'm too weak. I don't, I'm not good enough. I just don't know how. You know, Jesus has taken care of that because He is more than enough. And He has made His strength available to us. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You see, it is in our weakness that God will move and work. He likes to use the weak because then He gets the glory instead of man trying to take the glory. God called Moses... And Moses says, I can't speak. <laughs> I've been there. I've done that. I told my wife, I remember in elementary school, we did a Christmas play. I had one little line. I was sick that day. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm too weak. I can't. I want you to know, that the Lord didn't accept that excuse from Moses. He didn't accept it from me, and He won't accept it from you. You say, I don't know how to do this. Whatever God calls you to do, whatever He asks of you, He will equip you. He will give you what you need to get it done. No matter how weak you think you are, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Got to get rid of that excuse that I'm just too weak. When the Lord called Jeremiah to be a prophet, he tried to say that he was too young. Jeremiah 1, 6 and 7, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. You see, God just won't listen to our excuses. You can't say you're too young. You can't say you're too old. Hello? I'm going to tell you, some retired people, when they retire, they just turn it up. I mean, they get super involved in the work of the Lord because they got some time and they're ready and they want to serve the Lord like never before. And then other people, when they retire, they retire from serving the Lord. You're never too young. You're never too old. Whatever other who you think you are. He told Jeremiah, do not say. Don't say it. Just don't even go there. If God asks it of you, you can do it. The third category of excuses is that it's just too hard. I want to tell you, sometimes doing the right thing is really hard. Sometimes doing the right thing will get you into trouble. I mean, Peter and John, they're just telling about Jesus, and they get thrown into prison. They said, is it not better to obey God than man? And sometimes you're doing the right thing. Yeah, it's going to be hard sometimes. But we got to make up our minds that we're going to obey the Lord no matter what, no matter how hard it is. It's always better to obey the Lord. And you know, sometimes when you're doing what you're supposed to do, you get hurt. You go through hard times. I, I 
remember one church that I worked at, especially, I, I remember actually saying the words out of my mouth to the church administrator. I said, if I'd have known it was going to be this hard, I wouldn't have come here. It was attacks being made against me and my family. And I, I just, I just, this is too hard. But I'm glad that I kept going because it wasn't long until I began to see some of the most fruitful, fun times of ministry I ever had. But I'm just telling you, there's times when it's hard and we just have to press on. We have to endure. Or we can just make an excuse that it's too hard. The fourth area of excuses is a divided commitment excuse. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You got to choose. And for some people, it's God or money. Let me put it a different way it's God or business. Now, it might be God or family. Oh, wait a minute now, preacher. Family's important. I know it. Your family is so important that you better put God first because that's how you bring the blessing of God on your family. When you put your family before God, you are harming your own family. And there will come a day when you you see your kids go in the wrong direction. you got to always put God first. There's always an excuse, I'm telling you. And here's, here's the thing. One of the biggest excuses is this divided commitment with divided devotion. Jesus said you'll end up devoted to the one and despising the other. Luke 14, 16 through 26, Jesus says, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. I ask you, have me excused. Another said, I bought five oxen, five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused till another said I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. All kinds of excuses. You see, it can be family, friends, job, money, me time. That's big in our culture right now, me time. I've got to have some me time. Verse 25. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. I know this is really strange when Jesus says, you got to hate all of these who are most precious to us, but he's talking about in comparison with our love for him. He's not giving you permission to hate your parents, by the way. I'm just saying But he's talking about a comparison. He's talking about that our love for him has to be so great. Our commitment to him has to be so great that it's far and away above 
all those other relationships that are so precious to us, and even our own life. Yes, his own life also. That me time, you need to put it on the altar. You need to give it to God. You need to make up your mind that you're going to keep your commitments to God no matter what and not make any excuses. No more divided loyalty. Either he is king and Lord or he's not. And if He is, here's what I know about that. That brings the blessing of God over all those other areas of your life. You can trust God with your family and your job and your finances and your friends, all of it. It's amazing. You know, when you realize how good our God is, you can trust Him with all of that. But divided commitment will keep you from keeping the one commitment to God. So I challenge you, challenge all of us this morning to put aside our excuses and to do what God wants us to do, to go all out for God, to give Him our very best because He really is so worthy. See, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, all believers will stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be judged for reward. And when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, none of us will be offering any excuses. None of us will, will say, but Lord, all of our excuses will just fade away in the light of His glory. There won't be any excuses that we would dare to think are good enough to offer to Him. I want to tell you, I have had a lot of areas in my life over the years where, you know, I didn't keep this commitment or that commitment. And so I don't present myself to you as a good example there have been many times when I didn't keep a commitment, and I'm not going to talk about those. I'm just going to talk about one time that I did. That's not fair, is it? But in 2012, just before 2012, I felt like the Lord put it in my heart to run every day. And I felt like it was a God thing, and so I decided I was going to do that. And by the grace of God... I did. Now, during that time, I had a hip problem for a week or two, and then I got sick, and then I went on vacation. I got sick again. Doctor said had a little pneumonia, had all kinds of joint pains and body aches, and there were days that it was really cold. There were days when it was just wet and rainy. There were days when I didn't get it done and I in, until mid-afternoon in July. There were days that... I was tired and had indigestion and days I just didn't want to do it. But by the grace of God, I did. There were days when I just put on the workout clothes, pulled the shoes on, and just started putting one foot in front of the other. I want to tell you, you see, a lot of the time, life is like that. Serving the Lord is like that sometimes. If you do anything for God, there are going to be times when it's like that. Right. 
you just, you just pull it on, put your shoes on, and you just start putting one foot in front of the other. And I am not taking any glory for myself. I say all by the grace of God and His glory and His hand upon me. But I'm just telling you, I've known so many ministers who are not in ministry today because of this, because of that. So many people who no longer are involved in the work of the Lord because of this, because of that. Or you can choose to run your race with endurance and not make any excuses. And just keep going. And just keep going. Well, i got to tell you one more thing about that. This is the grace of God. There were actually a few days where I forgot. And then I felt like the Lord reminded me at 10, 10.30 at night. So I went. And I said, thank you, Lord, for reminding me. But I'm just telling you this, we can always find an excuse or we can always find a way. I know that year I had at least 365 days and I had at least 365 excuses. You know what I'm saying? But you just got to find a way and keep going. He's the one that we've committed our lives to. And I just encourage you. You see, we want to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Those are the words to someone who keeps their commitment. Those are not the words spoken to someone making excuses. Being a faithful servant requires that we put away our excuses I want you to know that I'm not talking about making heaven. I'm talking about running our race. I'm talking about fulfilling His purpose in our life. I'm talking about a reward in heaven. I'm talking about doing our very best for Him, to live for Him, to serve Him, to honor Him with our lives. No excuses. the best of our ability to live our lives without regret. And to do that, we got to put aside the hindrance of excuses. I know that some have made commitments in the past. And for some of you, it might have been not that long ago. Some of you, it may be decades ago, you made a commitment. And because of the excuses over time, you finally just let go of that commitment. I want to challenge all of you today to put aside excuses. Go all out for God. But I also want to challenge you, if that's you, you know that you've left some commitments behind. It's time to redo those commitments. It's time for you to go back to that and say, you know what? I'm going to make time in my life every day to pray and to seek the Lord. I'm going to make time to have a place in my life for the Word of God. I'm going to be sure that it's a priority that we are faithful to church, that we go to worship. I'm going to be involved in the work of the Lord. 
Whatever it is, I'm telling you, some of you need to renew those commitments to God. Don't just let it go. Oh, that was way back when. I'm telling you, you need to start from today. You can't fix the past. All you can do is put it under the blood of Jesus. But you can start from today to run your race with endurance and fulfill the plan of God in your life. Do your best for Him in everything. Stand with me. We're going to pray.